that's one of my pet peeves about the self industry, self help industry is there is such a focus on hey we can be amazing welcome to the shut up show this is the brave solopreneurs podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen inside every episode you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless you'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears tactical advice to help you define your shut-up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. That makes all the difference in the world. Everything does, Kurt, and that's why we're shutting up today. Talking to you, my friend. Welcome, Excellent. yeah, welcome to another episode of Shut Up Show. We have today the passion catalyst, my good friend from the northwest part of the country, Kurt Rosengren. Kurt and I got to spend time together this summer when I took my first and only vacation to date. So I'm blessed that he's here on the show. Before we get started, though, I just want to give a little bit of background on how I got to know Kurt. It's actually my friend Jody Boxfault who introduced me to Kurt and said, hey, this is a dude that you need to know. So I started following Kurt. He do, did this passion catalyst thing. He's had this map maker thing. He's got some job search stress reducers and all sorts of cool stuff. And then when I got to know him, I found out that he's just even more than all of that. And I really, holy crap, I'm, I, in a good way, like, wow, this guy's my friend. And he's really cool. And he has a lot of stuff to offer entrepreneurs. And we're really glad you're on the show. So, hey, Kurt, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, and I am completely, completely psyched to be on the show here with you, with uh, with one of my favorite people out there spreading goodness in the world. Ah, uh, thanks, buddy. Well, today Bernie and I get to hammer you with questions all about the F word. We're not talking fart knockers or <laughs> fudge sickles or anything like that. We're talking about fear. So, before we do, Kurt, give us a little bit about your background working with entrepreneurs to just set the stage so folks can understand the awesome that you bring to the show. So for the last dozen plus years, my focus has been how do you create a life that really energizes and inspires you. It started out really with focusing on career passion. How do you create a career for yourself, including uh, the entrepreneurial path, if that is in fact uh, the path that, that's right for you. Um, and uh, how do you create a career uh, for yourself that really lights you up? And that then, because the approach that I take with that is really how do you create a career that is coming from who you really are and what naturally energizes you, etc., uh, it, it couldn't help but then expand into kind of the rest of life, what's going on in the rest of life, because it's, it is such an um, integrated system. All pieces of life are integrated. And, uh, and so for the last dozen years, it's really been this evolution of first your passion and then uh, expanding from that to how do you live an energized life and then really expanding from that uh, recently into, great, you, you're finding passion, you're living an energized life. How do you put that to work out in the world to make the world a better place? How do you put that energy to work out in the world, the world a better place in a way that works? 
works for you and in a way that energizes you. So that is the really short nutshell of where I'm coming from. Yeah, fi finding that inner strength, that inner awesome, and really pushing that force so that you can be most passionate and create the greatest impact. That's that's absolutely why we want to talk to you. So, so Kurt, what do you think the biggest obstacle you that, that you see with the folks that you coach, the folks that you work with, what is that biggest obstacle that prevents them from actually pursuing their passion? Well, it's, it's right between these two things. So it's your headset. It's, yeah, it's, it's your brain. Oh. Right, right, it's right between the ears. I mean, it's, it's, it's the stories we all have. It's the stories that we of, of this reality that we create uh, of what might happen, of what uh, what we might look. It's it's that fear that we're talking about, right? It's that it's that F word, and and most of what we fear. And 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 I'm no. You know, I, I want to just say out of the gate that I'm not some guru standing on a pedestal here that that has got it all figured out. I am so totally gripped with my own process. It's a lot easier to be uh, objective to other people's process. Uh, so so I want to say that what I talk about here is both from a er level of expertise of here's what I focus on and also from a level of, hey, I experienced this myself and I'm grappling with these things too. And I various degrees of is what it really boils down to. Yeah, so why don't talk to us a little bit about that fear that you have, Kurt. I mean, 12 years you've been doing this coaching and yet still, still there's some, some fear. So talk to us about maybe that startup fear. If you can think back to maybe 10 or 12 years ago when you got this thing really cooking and you were envisioning it, what were some of the first fears that you saw, and how did you work through those? Well, I had I I always say that I'm a kind of the poster poster child for how not to do it. Um, I was I, I was it was during the whole dot com implosion. I had been a marketing consultant focused on the technology industry, so of course that was the first to go. So I woke up one day and discovered that I was in fact self unemployed, and. Uh, and in free fall, really, and and very short version of the story is this insight came that I seem to have this effect on people in conversations, casual conversations over coffee, what, ha what have you, where they would come away inspired, uh, new ideas, new possibilities, all of that, and I went, hmm, maybe there's some value to be had with that. And remember, at the time, I'm in free fall and have no nothing coming in the pipeline. And so maybe I can make some money out of that. Hey, and um, so so the fear from the startup was really kind of taken care of me. There was a a fear of how the heck do I keep a roof over my head? But that's because I was already in free fall. So really, kind of if you want to look at it, the universe made that decision for me. Um, and so but but along the way, I think that you know one of the big ones, and this is one that I still grapple with, is. Uh, it is just the fear of failing, and the fear of not doing it right, and the fear of of uh, looking like I don't have it together, and that 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 I'm a complete fraud, and and all this. Right? I, I I think that that is something that I continue to do. Uh, not sure if that'll ever uh, it, ever go away. I, I, I'm it gets lighter over time, and I've certainly 
found ways to uh, to um, step back. So for, for part of what's really been powerful what happened in the last, uh, especially in the last couple of years, what's really been powerful. I have slowly been able to not stop the stories from coming up. Uh, the stories about you know what might happen and all of this catastrophizing and and whatever it is, um, or something negative happens and and there's this story about what that means uh, in creating this negative reality in my in my brain, and I've been able to start to create a little bit more space there, so that I so the story comes up. And I can look at it and say, "Huh, thanks for joining us today. Um, that's you know that's an interesting reality you're just trying to create there. Wow, where'd you come up with that one?" And uh, and so for me, a lot of what has been really really powerful in the last uh, last couple of years, especially the last year, is finding a way to get more distance from the stories that come up. Um, I, I think that one of the things that so often happens we feel like we have to have, we're supposed to have it all together we're supposed to have it all figured out and then when these doubts come up these fears come up uh, and well Tony Robbins doesn't have any fear what the hell's wrong with me right I don't have what it takes and uh, and I think that I can't speak to whether Tony Robbins has any fear or not but I know that the vast majority of us do and so I think that it's I think not a question of is this coming. It's really what do I do with it when it does, and meaning do I assign to it? To what degree do I allow it to become my reality versus this thing experiencing? I'll stop there for the moment. You know, Kurt, what I what I find intriguing about what you just said, um, and, and let's let's take it back a little bit before we hit record. You said something to fill in me, and and I'll repeat it in a second, but. It's so intriguing what you just said because the genesis for the Shut Up Show, the reason why Phil and I started to record weekly conversations between himself and, and me about shit that makes us scared, right? Things that are causing us to freak out, but talking out how we can brave through that fear. And then we had the wild idea, hey, why don't we add a guest in that discussion with us and let's talk about their fear. And then now it's evolved into this you know, amazing show where we're booked out to December, um, you know, and not, not to plug us there, but the genesis of our show is because Phil and I had a need for this. Go and ahead, we, plug. And <laughs> thank you. And we couldn't find it anywhere, at least not to this extent. And so you said something really interesting right before we hit record. You said that you were so excited to get on the show to talk to us because you wish that you had something like this and more people need something like this a little bit more so the question I have for you to spin off of that is what is that need um, what are you currently missing in the work that you do and even in the work for for your clients that something like the shut up show can address I really want to understand what is it that we're lacking in the world that something like this can really help oh how many hours do you have um, <laughs> That's why we gave you a full hour. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so so we're looking at. I, I think that the, first and foremost, it's this. It's just the permission to be human. Just the permission to be human. Just the permission 
to be this quivering lump of jelly on the floor that doesn't know what's going on, that's scared, that feels stupid, that feels like uh, like we don't have what it takes or can't figure it out or whatever it is, uh, without judging that, simply say, you know what, that's a part of the human experience. Welcome to life. Um, and, and that's one of the things I, of course, make my living in the self-help world. That's that is. Uh, I, I work with people to help them uh, figure out how do I how do I really create a, a career and a life for myself. Energizes and, and inspires me. So I'm all for self help. But one of the things that I think is really unfortunate about how the self help industry has unfolded is that it, by and large, has not made space for people to just have this human experience. And uh, it gives that inner critic so much fodder to flagellate ourselves. Say, oh, I suck because I can't do this. Oh, I suck because I didn't do this right. Oh, I suck because I didn't manifest this thing and I did the visualization and, I, you know, what's wrong with me? Um, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, quite, quite frankly, it's all bullshit. And, uh, you know, pardon my French, but it, but it truly is. So that's one of my pet peeves about the self-help industry is there is such a focus on, hey, we can be amazing, which is fabulous. I love that piece, but it has to be, it has to be really rounded out with, yes, we can be amazing, and you know what? Sometimes we're going to be that quivering lump, and that's okay, too. Um, and so for, for me, one of the things that's beautiful about this is it's really focused on that vulnerability. Uh, Brene Brown, I love Brene Brown's uh, work around vulnerability. Uh, we don't have a society that allows us, you know, cult, you know, as far as what's reinforced, etc., that really allows us to be vulnerable. We're supposed to have it all together. We're supposed to be... Uh, you know, the next best thing since sliced bread and, and all of this. And we can't say, you know, I don't have a clue. I don't know. I am so stuck. I am so lost. I am so angry. I am so blah, 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 blah. right? And, and so we end up kind of repressing all of this stuff and come up with this very superficial version of uh, who we are that very frequently doesn't have a hell of a lot to do with who we are. Um, and and so I just I just worked through uh, a book called Dark Side of the Light Chasers, and I had read it about uh, so it's it's kind of shadow work. It's really taking a look at the stuff that we've disowned, and very Jungian. And I read it about ten years ago. I was like, oh yeah, that's nice, that's nice. Uh, but I just really couldn't get into it. And this time I said, okay, I am going. In the last couple of years, I've just been kind of put through the grinder and, and have had a lot of amazing personal growth as a result uh, of that. And so this has been part of that. And I say, okay, I'm going to go through and I'm going to do all of the exercises and really take a look at what's there, that, that shadow stuff, that stuff that I, don't, that I want to pretend isn't there, uh, that, that doesn't mesh with how I want you to see me, right? And, and, and we all have that. And so... I'm going a little bit off on a on a tangent with this, but it all relates to this being whole and being human. And if you can't be whole and human, you are in, in, inherently not going to be able to show up uh, 
with a life that really resonates and uh, to be able to really add everything that you have to add to the world. Um, and so then back to the original question there. I'm such a hard interviewer. Aren't I? <laughs> back to the original question there. What I think is what I'm so excited about this show is that it in really invites people to show up and say, "Oh yeah, this stuff that this fear, this you know, this stuff that's not the warm, fuzzy, rah 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 success uh, kind of looking stuff is a part of the process." How do I engage with that? How do I not make that wrong and all of uh, all of this, but instead simply work with it? Wow, <laughs> that's it, man. So that and that is what we try to do. That's so funny that you bring up Brene Brown. So two things: one, if you know her, we would love an introduction. <laughs> we totally want to get her on the show. And secondly, it's funny because. We have talked about that for some time, about how the power of that vulnerability of being real, being fully present for that realness is so important. And that's what we're missing too. I mean, Kurt, you know, man, when I came out to, to spend some time with you, I was pretty all over the place. And we talked a lot about that and, and about this listening to the still, quiet voice that's inside our heads that often we don't really want to hear because it is the truth. So how do we, I get, you know, not, not to get too woo-woo here, but how do we listen more to that voice and how do we stop that stinking fear from creeping in and telling the fear to just shut up and focus on now and being fully present? How do we do that? Uh, well, I, I, w I would say... Uh, and, and to some degree, I think that you know one of the answers that is that I'm going to put out there, and that's meditation, uh, or you know, whatever kind of grounding practice uh, that that you have. I uh, last beginning of last August, so so not uh, not last month, but a year ago, um, I committed to doing a daily meditation practice. I had been I had meditated for. How I suppose I first started meditating 13, 14 years ago, but it's always been very on the wagon, off the wagon, on the wagon, off the wagon. So it really never had that cumulative effect. Uh, and last August, I decided, okay, I'm going to do this every day, and so it's really become a practice. I haven't missed a day since last August, and and it is the first thing that I do in the morning. And it has become over time. It, it came. It went from crap. Has it really only been five minutes? To uh, oh crap! I only have half an hour to sit and meditate this morning. Uh, oh, just five minutes more. Just five minutes more. So so it's really shifted just my relationship with it over time as I built up those muscles. But but I think that one of the things that we need to do, and and maybe it's meditation, maybe it's something else but is create the space in our lives to not be going 100 miles an hour, to not be going 100 miles an hour with our actions, and to not be going 100 miles an hour with our brain. Speaking of speaking kind of misperceptions and such and, and stories about how things should be, uh, on the meditation piece, one of the things that I get from people is uh, well, I, I can't meditate because I can't stop my thoughts. 
and I have to laugh because I, I, I really, meditation is a huge important part of a, a part of life. And I and say I sit for an hour of meditation. I have maybe, and this is all to get little snippets. I have maybe five minutes worth of quiet <laughs> during that time, right? So my brain is—it's constantly uh, my brain's going off here, and then goes, "Oh yeah, here. come back to where you are." And so there's this constant process of recognizing that I've gone away, bring myself back, recognizing I've gone, bring myself back, and so so I think that there's also a shift of how we even think about it. You know, if if if, if you got the you're talking earlier about squirrel. Uh, and and that distraction and such, I think that's a I think that's a part of it. So so a big piece, whether it's meditation, whether it is tai chi, whether it is qigong, whether it is uh, whether it is kind of mindful exercise, what are the ways that you can just start to let your mind practice bringing your mind back to the here and now, and and don't expect it to be an hour of uninterrupted silence because it ain't going to happen. Wow. So the, so really the discipline to not just make it a daily practice but when you drift off and it isn't working the discipline to bring it back instead of giving up is really what you're saying is important. Is, am I reading you well, right and even redefining, Yeah, and even redefining what working means. Um, I don't remember which book it was, but but I was I was reading a book about our minds have evolved to have that chatter going, right? That's just it's it's just your mind doing what literally evolutionarily it's and there's some sorting through things that happens, etc. But they've they've done studies on that, so literally evolutionarily, that's it's doing what it's meant to do, and so. Uh, rather than saying, oh, it's doing what it's meant to do and that's wrong. Uh, it, it, and in this, in this book, it was talking about shift how you look, look at it and look at the meditation as kind of practice in bringing yourself back to the present moment. So your mind is going off over here and you notice and you go, oh, cool, another opportunity to practice coming back. And and so if you do that, recognize that it's just the mind doing the mind's thing. Don't make it wrong. Simply make it a part of what it is that you're doing is practicing bringing it back to the moment. That shifts the dynamic of the whole thing as well. Speaking of redefining, I I I don't know if you know this, Kurt. If you've watched any of our episodes, but Phil knows that I stalk. I stalk every guest that we have on our show <laughs> so that so that I'm fueled with all your background information and even some of the photos that you didn't mean to get out on Google. But anyway, <laughs> I happened to stumble upon a PDF of a case study that you put together for, um, it looked like a client you had named Dahlia. Um, and, and the PDF was called Redefining Success. Um, that one really struck a chord with me because Phil and I have quite, uh, talked quite extensively on the show about how we redefine success because I think part of the reason why people start to feel like failures or why they start to feel a lot of fear is because they start to create this definition of success that is very it's, it's far it's far removed from the reality of what they believe success really is in their heart and so um, kind of take us through the the genesis really for that 
case study, uh, that experience that you had with Dahlia, working with her in redefining success, and you know, kind of share with us what came out of that whole experience because I think that there's something really, there's a great golden nugget that can come out of that in terms of how we talk about redefining success here on the Shut Up Show. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so just for to for clarification, Dahlia what did, and I didn't actually work together. That was a uh, an an article that I had written for a magazine, uh, and it was a profile on Dahlia. Dahlia Dahlia Lithwick is is her name. She writes um, covering the Supreme Court for Slate.com, and so she had been she had been uh, she had gone to law school. She had gone to uh, I believe it was Yale undergrad, Stanford Law School. She was kind of you know, set for the glittering prizes, and but was really feeling just I don't want to do this. This is empty. This is uh, you know. She was a writer at heart, and she says she has a great story. She ended up giving her quitting what she was doing. She was a she was an attorney quitting what she was doing, and uh, giving herself a year to become a writer. She ended up right at the end of of, of that uh, year's time. The Microsoft antitrust case was going on. Uh, Slate brought her in. Uh, they were looking for an attorney who could write. They brought her in. She just happened to be visiting a friend there uh, who, who knew about this. They brought her in and she's been working with uh, them ever since. So it was this really great uh, story about just jumping and uh, being with the discomfort. So redefining success and and you know part of part of it for for Dahlia the the thing that I always remember the very end of that article I uh, I, I was uh, talking about I, I had a quote from her where she was talking about at the time that I interviewed her she was pregnant with her first child and uh, she was talking about this idea of what success means because because all of her colleagues of course were you know going on the high power track and so so all of her colleagues were these attorneys from Ivy League schools and all of this and everybody's on the, on the high power track and and she was not she was a writer and uh, she said and you know now that now that we're gonna have this kid I, that's really changing how I'm seeing this this idea of, of success because what I want to see, see is uh, I want my kid to grow up seeing two parents who are flying and when you grow up seeing your parents fly how can you not fly yourself and and so for her it was this total shift from this th th this externally status conscious etc driven view of success to not only how do I fly, but how do I set an example for my child so that when my child grows up, my child will fly as well. And I think that that's a huge thing that, that we don't really give that much consideration is, is this idea of how do I uh, not only give the people that I'm responsible for you know, bringing up in this world the tools to, to, to function well and the values, et cetera, et cetera, but how do I open up the door for them to say, what's really going to be rich and fulfilling and, and, and my best way of showing up in the world? Right. And so, and so for, for, for me, uh, so if we talk about this idea of, of redefining success, um, you know, these external things, there's nothing wrong with them, 
But when they become the prime drivers, what ends up happening is that these internal things, which is really, let's be honest, that's what we feel day in and day out, and that's what that's where we live, is is at the internal place. Uh, and, and so you don't get that opportunity to really live a life that feeds you, because you're always reaching for this external thing that inherently doesn't have a lot of substance to it. Uh, you know, how many people have you? How many people have you? run across who have been chasing that success, get that success and go, is this all there is? Uh, versus uh, when, you, when you find, you know, some of it is pursuing your passion, some of it, a big piece for me lately, honestly, is, is this internal stuff and finding this, this groundedness and, and sense of contentment regardless of what's going on out there. Uh, for me, that's huge. For me, that's huge because because you're never going to you're never going to get external stability. You may have it momentarily. You know, this goes back to the fear thing, right? You may have that external uh, stability momentarily, uh, and it may last for for a good long time. But the nature of life is that it ebbs and flows, right? It goes, it does this. You got the roller coaster going on. So the more internal stability that you can create for yourself, the more satisfied, fulfilled, happy, you're going to be able to be in life regardless of what's going on uh, external and so, externally. And so for me, there's a big piece of that that, that is also a part of my, uh, part of my defini definition of success. And, and, and that has a pretty, for me personally, that has a pretty substantial spiritual component to it. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to for everybody. Right. Yeah, I, th I think Phil and I echo that. We've talked about redefining success quite a bit on here, and, and I made sure to write down a, a little excerpt from one of the quotes that uh, you did put in that Dahlia write-up, and she said, um, let me just read it real quick. Um, she was fearing the possibility of living in poverty, but she said that that didn't seem nearly as dangerous as uh, not being profoundly... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I read it wrong. Um, Possibly living in poverty didn't seem nearly as dangerous as being profoundly unhappy. Yeah, and and, and so if we if we bring this back around to what we were talking about at the beginning with, of, of that fear piece um, and what stops people, so this possibly living in, in poverty was. A story, right? It's a story going on be be between her ears. Well, I can't do that because I'll end up uh, under a bridge. How many people have that story running when they w when they want to take a risk and do something that really inspires them, but then they don't? Um, and the reality was for her that wasn't really uh, th that that wasn't the case. You know, worst case scenario, she missed out on a year of her career track. She goes back, gets another gets another job and continues uh, continues on so um, so I think that we catastrophize what the worst case or we catastrophize the outcome uh, and we really cheat ourselves of being able to reach out for something that feels really like success for us um, and and feels like so so for me success is 
a lot of success has to do with does this touch my heart? Uh, you know, you don't you, you you don't hear that a lot, but but for me, that's that's a huge piece of everything. It comes from this this question of does this touch my heart? Does this come from my heart? Is this uh, leading me into a, a, a feeling open-hearted about myself and about uh, about the world? Uh, a huge thing that I have been that that I have been uh, feeling called to in the last in the last few years is, as I mentioned at the beginning, not just okay, how do I live this life that's energizing, etc., but also how do I make a difference in the world? How do I show up in a way that leaves the planet a better place? Uh, in 360 degrees, there's so many ways that we can that that we can do this um, that I think that most people uh, really aren't thinking about uh, because their attention is is on a lot of different things. And so for me, part of that success question is is not just what do I achieve, status, financially, etc., but really what ripples do I create out there? And and those can be small ripples just in your everyday interactions. Um, so again, I seem to have gone off. <laughs> no, it, it always comes back full circle because because it's a perfect segue. The, the question I, I was going to ask you before we have Phil ask you the magic question was, I really want to understand kind of, um, you know, I don't want to overuse the word genesis, but, you know, wh wh when was there a defining moment in your life? Uh, and there might be more than one. Which one seems to be the most, you know, pivotal moment in life where you felt like, I don't think I can get up from here. I, I don't think I can get up from this. This is crazy. This is too catastrophic for me. Um, and tell us what was happening and how you braved through that to get to the other side. Yeah. Um, boy, that's uh, again and again and again. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think that that is um, the last the, the the last couple of years. Um, I I have really been. Uh, up against things, you know, things things have been coming around, uh, but but starting in December 2011, things just my my entire like 360 degrees. It was the most bizarre thing. It was like kind of this spiritual dark night of the soul. My business completely tanked. I had some relationship stuff going. I was like everywhere I looked, I had stuff uh, that was grabbing at me and uh, had a really 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 and the the short version, uh, what ended up really bringing it around was pig-headed of sticking with it. Um, so sometimes I think, honestly, there's not a quick fix. Sometimes I think it's just, okay, I'm going to pick myself up and take another step today. I'm going to pick myself up and take another step today. I'm going to uh, choose not to paint tomorrow in terms of yesterday or today, um, etc. So I think that there is some, uh, a lot of it is just not carrying the story forward with you. Uh, and then a lot of it, for me, a big piece of the shift for me was, was a process called uh, EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, uh, which is this tapping on uh, various energy meridian endpoints. End it sounds the goofiest thing in the world, uh, but it was, I was really, last year, I had just reached meltdown, and I just couldn't find traction on anything, 
the, there's stuff that was just totally pushing my not enough buttons. I suck. I suck. Right. I just did not. Was, life was challenging. And after a uh, meditation one morning, I was like, dude, you need to get you, you need to get a handle on this because this isn't isn't working for you. And uh, so I uh, said, okay, I'm going to tap on this. And the purpose of the EFT is really working with uh, working with challenging. Um, Working with challenge, you know, maybe it's pain, physical pain, maybe it's emotional pain, maybe it's just, uh, various things. Um, and so, okay, I'm going to focus on that. Had this really cathartic experience with it, very short, and felt just infinitely better. Very short version of that story. I did that every day for about two and a half weeks, and I found myself after that period of time feeling more grounded and content than I ever have really in my life. And things externally were still just going completely sideways. And so for me, if I look at a turning point, it was really, uh, it was about a year ago uh, that this was all happening. And, and in many ways, I'm totally not the same person that I was then. Isn't it amazing how sometimes when we think we're going through the worst thing, and because I've done it before, where I'm like, why, why me, why now? And then you get out on the other side, and then you realize, oh, crap. Now I realize why I had to go through that, you know, to get to the side Absolutely. to have that realization. Absolutely. So, so, and it yeah. was it, it was very much it was very much putting me through the tenderizer uh, to yeah. get me. And I unfortunately unfortunately am so pigheaded that it takes probably a lot <laughs> more to get me to that point of of absolute meltdown than it does for most. I I unfortunately uh, am looking at my uh, looking at my uh, time. And I need to uh, I need to run off for a uh, for a client. I would love to pick up the remainder of this because I think that there is still uh, I, I think there's still <laughs> something that uh, is is unasked here. Lots that's unasked. Right, um, right. And and actually, real quick, our magic question is very much in line with what you just said right there because yours was very recent. Our magic question was just going to be what what fear are you grappling with right now? And it does sound like. It's it's the same fear, right? It returns. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that it really it, it really boils down to, um, for me, one of the things that I realized, and this quite astounded me, uh, realized that I was carrying around what I what I describe as this portable hole of not enoughness. Yeah. Uh, and so I was in my interactions with people, in my trying to achieve things, all of this stuff, what I was, there was a piece of me, and it wasn't like 100%, but there was a piece of me that was going, would you please shovel uh, some validation into this? And, and I realized how much that was going on. Uh, and that really kind of blew me away because I've always seen myself as a pretty confident person. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when I realized how much that was going on, uh, I was like, wow, what kind of effect does that have on things? And so fast forward to, to today, certainly that, that's less because I'm more aware of it. Uh, but I think that if, if I were to trace whatever little fears are, you know, that, that come up, because there's just a, it's a mini-headed beast, right? right. If, I, if I trace whatever little fears come up, Really, what it all boils down to is this fear that I'm not enough, and uh, and that will be seen. Well, right. you are enough because you have to go. So Phil and I will wrap up the show so you can go. 
<laughs> okay. There's so much more I want to say. It's all good. We'll have you back, dear. Thank you so Thanks much, Kurt. Kurt. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, Marley. So, Bernie. So, Phil, yeah, let's wrap up here. Um, yeah, lots about fear. Yeah. Keeps coming up. Well, I, I think our big learning today, we are enough. We have enough. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Shut Up Show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, go on to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.